Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome into another new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz recording on a Tuesday morning. A lot to get to. If you missed the last episode, we spent a considerable chunk of time breaking down four new additions to the Penn State 2021 recruiting class. Uh, all four of those guys in the spotlight. Uh, thanks again to Alan uh, True for joining our conversation, giving some insight on what Penn State is accomplishing in Michigan, specifically that Detroit area led by assistant coach Tim Banks. Again, that's on the last episode that dropped Friday. We're coming to you twice a week now. And Sean, we got more recruiting to get to uh, upcoming in a bit. Another target came out with the top list. Um, there are some new offers that were scattered about on Monday evening, but we're going to get into some more team concentrated stuff here. It is blue white week. After all, there will be no game. No one's packing into Beaver stadium this Saturday, unfortunately, but we're going to shift gears just a bit and focus on some of the players who have already been on campus for a while and are looking to make moves in 2020. Just rub it in, man. No blue white game this weekend. No, Anything, no tailgating, nothing. Ah, man, you're killing me. And I think it's supposed to rain. So it's just, I'm in with I'm in this with you, Sean. I'm not venturing out and about. It's, it's it's supposed to rain and be like 40 degrees on Saturday. So you know, got that one right at least, and take a little bit of solace <laughs> in that. But yeah, we can get into some team stuff. We we talked about it last week. We we're gonna try and get on it to, into it on Friday. You know, for some reason we didn't. You know, four commitments kind of does that. And it was funny. We were, uh, some of the feedback we got on our message board at Lions 24/7 was. Hey, these were two of my favorite episodes of the week, and we were like, "All right, let's uh, let's try to get four commitments every week. Then people will, will keep listening and check us out, and we do appreciate you listening. And uh, we we hope to provide, you know, best on on team and recruiting areas. And uh, let's get back into some team stuff. Yeah, let's do it. And last week mentioned we had a chance to talk with Tim Banks, safeties coach for Penn State, uh, and and we played the clip on Friday. His thoughts on his native Detroit and what it means to him to recruit there. The other coach we got last week was Kirk Sharaka, and considerably uh, more intrigue with that conversation because he's the new guy on the block. There's a lot to look toward with this offensive attack, and and the key word we'll get to in a minute is blending the offenses that that already existed at Penn State and what was working at Minnesota last year. But at the forefront of this entire thing, of course, Sean, is the quarterback position. Kirk Shiraka, wild success last year with Tanner Morgan, uh, who really rose to national prominence. We had a firsthand look at him in Minneapolis, what he was able to do against the Nittany Lions defense that day. And overall for the year, his success has led to a lot of folks uh, expecting a leap for Sean Clifford. Of course, about five weeks ago, we learned Things are not going to be a proceeding as normal this spring. No spring practice reps. And that's an issue for any new relationship between a quarterback and a play caller. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, you know, the, it, vital for Penn State to get, for, I mean, to take that next step with Clifford. Uh, you know, I've been, you know, fairly critical of his play last year. I think he's got, you know, in, in him so he can, 
you know, be an improved player, be a guy that uh, that really helps them out. But at the same time, I mean, he certainly has to get better in those big situations. And, you know, I think Kirk Shiraka is a guy with a proven track record that uh, has taken quarterbacks that have gone for uh, unproductive seasons or, you know, average seasons and, and turn them into really good players and, and really productive offenses. So I'm intrigued with what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be a snap of the fingers and, and, and losing spring, let's be honest, losing spring really hurts all those guys in that room, yeah, and, you know, Clifford included. So we will see, we'll see which direction that goes. I think uh, Kirk Shiraka feels pretty confident that, you know, he can get some things corrected. I, I think that's the biggest thing that I saw uh, when talking to these guys in the winter. It was just the subtle corrections that they could make right away. And I think every coach does that. Uh, you know, even if you're replacing a guy that, you know, uh, took a, you know, took a, took a better job somewhere, took a, a coordinator job or took a head coaching job, something like that. I, I think you can go in there. You can, you can figure out the, the small missteps that maybe were, uh, were routine for, for some, or maybe it was just part of the way someone did something, changing that up a little bit. I, I, I think most back to, to Phil Troutwine and what he said about the offensive line. I think Kirk Shiraka can play that over with Sean Clifford because there were several little things that I think added up to some big things. And we saw that in some key situations last year. And for a program that has, you know, three times now lost like just a couple regular season games by a point, by, by a possession, small little tweaks can make the difference and add up for this Nittany Lions squad as they try to make that playoff push in 2020. Quarterback going to be a central part of that. Sean Clifford, maybe the X factor when you look at this thing. Uh, outside looking in, a big picture. Quarterback play for Penn State. You heard Bud Elliott last week. You know He's talking about the playoff chances for a ton of teams. And the first thing his mind shifts to when he's talking about where Penn State stands in that conversation is, is Sean Clifford good enough to make that happen? Here was Kirk Shiraka's initial thoughts when asked about Sean Clifford. He went on for a bit, and the question proposed to him was, how do you get Clifford to take a next step and become a great college football quarterback? You know, I think with every quarterback experience and any facet experience is a great teacher, um, but only if you're willing to learn from your past, right? Uh, so he, he has to be able to apply the experiences, the take the mistakes that he might have made last year that all quarterbacks make, right? And the, the key to a becoming an elite level quarterback is is being able to learn from your mistakes, right? And apply that knowledge to the next time you're in that same situation. And that's one of the common denominators of all all elite quarterbacks. They're able to learn uh, from their experiences and then be able to apply them the next time they're in that type of situation, right? And, you know, that's the difference between being good and great, in my opinion. A guy... A, a guy with a great skill set, you know, he has some great games, but he he probably never really develops that consistency that you're looking for, you know. So, like, that's the number one thing that he's got to be able to do is apply those experiences. And from that, you know, he can't help but improve if you can do that. But that's easier said than done um, with it. So, but the one thing Sean has is he he wants to be great, right? And he's very eager to learn. Uh, new things, new approaches, new ways to maybe uh, uh, see a situation. Um, so he's very open to learning. And so I'm just excited to see him apply what he's learned and his experiences. And let's go from there. There's, you know, there's always with a quarterback, um, you can almost look at any play and there's some little detail out there that uh, he could have improved with. 
um, on it. So like the quarterbacks are always learning, you know, you listen to the all time greats, you know, Peyton Manning, um, he, he was always looking to get better, right? How can I improve my footwork? How can I improve my fundamentals? You know, and, and I'm always preaching to the quarterbacks, you know, you never know it well enough. You're never doing it well enough. So just understand that and let's just keep grinding, right? And, and keep making sure that we're getting better every day. And really that's the key, right? Is the ability to grind every day. And there you hear it. Uh, you know, Sean Clifford, we've come to know that, that he's a fiery guy. And, and I think, you know, we talked a lot about the emotions getting the better of him at times last year, but also fueling what he does, some of those hot starts. Uh, the game against Michigan, I think a primary example, but uh, you know, the, the road game at Minnesota, there were, there was clearly some jitters there. There was just, there was a, a nerviness uh, to his game. And, and right there, you're here at Kirk Shiraka focusing a lot on the relationship he's building with Sean Clifford, making sure the expectations are well known. Gets a lot trickier when you survey the rest of this quarterback room, which when it adds Micah Bowens, the 2020 signee out of Las Vegas, will feature five scholarship players in 2020. You've got Taquan Roberson, Michael Johnson Jr. Uh, both took turns traveling with the program last year, uh, you know, competing for that number three job. Typically, you'd see them uh, you know, exchanging reps on, on not only uh, the practice squad, but also getting some time up with the varsity group. And then Will Levis, you know, Kirk Shiraka said he doesn't even have a, a, a much of a detailed book on who Will Levis is as a quarterback because you've got the Rutgers game, uh, you've got the second half of Ohio State. Uh, you know, a lot of what Will Levis did and, and what people kind of gravitated toward initially is his ability to be a big physical runner as a passer. We, we said it before we saw him in game action, and it's been further confirmed after seeing him in game action. There's a lot of strides to make there um, in terms of accuracy and just being a complete quarterback and a weapon there uh so Kirk Scirocco was pretty candid with us Sean he said look I haven't seen these guys throw you know whether it's Roberson Johnson Levis is limited he, he's he's doing as much research as he can and digging through the reps for Clifford but he faces a challenge here because he said in February when we initially spoke with him that this was going to be a huge spring series of practices because he was going to go through things with a fine-tooth comb afterwards and, and figure out who each of these guys were and, and how he's going to cater to making them better that just not it's not available to him at this point with as much emphasis as was on Clifford and and you know we covered it he needs it and they they all need it and uh but I think it hurts those two young guys the most I mean you you can find a spot for Levis to use him this year obviously I don't think it's uh you know an open competition or anything like that but you know they uh Kirk Shiraka was able to use a wildcat quarterback effectively at Minnesota and I think that's what you have in Will Levis right now um to, just given his trajectory and his progress uh but really Taquan Roberson and Michael Johnson Jr. I mean that those are the guys that spring hurts the most I mean that there were there were reps to be had there of course you're going to add another body to that this uh this summer when when Michael Bowens gets to town so it's going to get even more crowded in the lower half of that depth chart but uh they, they you know they, they've seen some nice things from both of those guys but they haven't seen enough in the body of work to to really make a, a determination on how far either of those guys can take them you know I slot Roberson just slightly ahead of Johnson just a little bit more consistent as a passer Johnson's really interesting though because you get him out in those scrimmage situations you get him out in the in the open field and he's tough to bring down obviously the better athlete of the two so once again it goes back to uh, I think they're exactly what Penn State recruited I think they know a lot about 
what they uh, expected to get from these guys, and that's what they've gotten so far, and that's fine, and that's 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 a good thing, frankly. But at the same time, you want to see those guys take that next step, and without the spring, uh, Taquan Roberson, Michael Johnson Jr. I mean, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow for those guys because they were you know excited to get out there, get those reps, and and, and really. I mean, for for all that you can do to work with Sean Clifford in the spring, you know, you do typically cut back a starter's reps in the spring. You know, Clifford got all of those last year with Tommy Stevens out, but still, I mean, you've got to be able to, to to find that balance, get those young guys some developmental time, and they're just not going to have that opportunity. So that's uh, you know, it sucks from from that standpoint. So there's just it, it, the thing about the quarterback room. There's so many. Uh, knives to sharpen in that quarterback room, and and you only have so many time, uh, so so much time. Sorry, um, so much time to get that done, and and really, it, I think it's going to be a you know, it's going to stifle some growth of some of those guys. Would have seen a lot of Roberson, a lot of Johnson, I'd imagine, in the spring game this year. Uh, the one silver lining here is both of those guys were able to enroll early last January. So they do have a spring practice under their belt at Penn state, albeit under a different offensive coordinator. They've been around campus for a long time. And one thing that Shiraka did point to is while it's still quite a bit of a wild card in terms of who these guys are, are as passers, he says he's really appreciated how, how they've educated themselves, how, you know, he inherited a pretty intelligent room. He felt like a well-trained room in the last couple of years we saw Penn State starting quarterback limping to the finish line because of taking a toll physically last year that meant Will Levis played uh, in November a couple of years ago and we saw Sean Clifford get his first reps we saw Tommy Stevens involved as Trace McSorley was banged up um, that led to not just the conversation about quarterback depth last week with Shiraka, but also about how he plans to use his quarterbacks as runners uh, because again that's going to add up take its toll and he says they would be crazy not to try to use these quarterbacks as runners uh, you mentioned Will Levis. I think we will see Will Levis involved in packages. Minnesota did it last year uh, using kind of the the, uh, the old running quarterback situation where you, you almost know it's going to be a run and they dare you to stop it. And Will Levis is that kind of a, a physical punishing runner. But still going to see Sean Clifford run. He said it's important that, that they utilize the quarterbacks because they do feel like that's a strength for them. Dwight Galt said this uh, when we got into the weight room back in February. And Shiraka said it again. These guys, he feels like, are built like college running backs. In a lot of cases, he's very impressed with the physique that they have. And he says he understands it's a risk reward when you do run your quarterback. But at the end of the day, this is football. Injury is a factor in the game, but you also need to, to use uh, everything at your disposal. And he just thinks that that's too much part of the, the arsenal that he has uh, with these quarterbacks. I think one key here is what he can't control is Clifford's reads, right? And that's something that, that you scrutinized. And we, we, we certainly sensed a trend there as the season went on that, that that wasn't really sharpening for Sean Clifford. Understanding when to get rid of the ball and avoid that hit and when that two, three-yard gain is just not worth it. I mean, I, I can't argue any of that. I mean, I, I do think you need to keep the quarterback run in the playbook, but I do think you need to scale it back. I mean, we saw games last year. Clifford had 15 carries and the running backs combined for 15 themselves. I mean, it was just not not the balance that you need from from that uh, sort of thing. And and I mean, let's be honest, you look at the schedule and obviously that that trip to Lane Stadium in September, you know, obviously considering this this all goes to plan, uh, you know, if it, that that trip to, to to Lane Stadium in September is big, but really, I mean, you're looking at a four-week stretch where you get uh, Michigan, a bye, Iowa, and Ohio State 
let's be honest, that's where that's where you're going to get beat up. I mean, everybody's going to get beat up. And if you you know if you run the quarterback effectively, um, maybe you know that's uh, that's a tough stretch to come out of. But you do have Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan State, Maryland, and Rutgers to close the season, which is actually you know, looking at it again, it's pretty. You know, this is as kind as I've seen for a long time. So, uh, I mean, you have to you have to run the quarterback. I think you scale it back, though. And honestly, this is something that I've heard being used against Penn State on the recruiting trail. I mean, when recruiting quarterbacks, they say, hey, you know, you go to Penn State, you're going to run. Okay, that's fine. But you're going to get beat up. Trace McSorley, toughest, you know, one of the toughest kids in college football you know, came out of the season limping a couple of times. So I, I think that's something that they have to find a balance on. I know it's part of James Franklin's uh, identity uh, offensively, but uh, at the same time, there's there's other ways to make it happen. You mentioned Levis. I think it's a great idea. I think that's something that they definitely will explore. Um, you know, when you say quarterback run, I don't think it's all limited to Sean Clifford. I think Levis can be a guy that, you know, helps you out in situations and, and, and gets it done. You know, I, I don't see going to the well too much in the red zone, but you know, they, they did that at Minnesota and they were effective in doing so. So curious to see how that all plays out. Um, you know, you've got an athletic room, you've got guys that can move around, you've got Michael Johnson Jr. that can really run as well. So, um, you know, you've, you, you've got the, the tools in the arsenal to do so, but is it the best thing for your football team, especially with journey Brown, with Noah Kane and Devin Ford, and then you're going to get the influx with, uh, with Keziah Holmes and Kevon Lee as well. So, I mean, you've got weapons in that backfield. I don't know that the quarterback run is, um, you know, the essential one that you want to turn to. But at the same time, I think, you you know, it's it's one that if your offense is going to be most efficient, he's got to tuck it and go. And, and it goes back to what you said. I mean, his reads need to be better. That's something he could have worked on in the spring. And, you know, we'll see where it goes without this practice time. Shiraka, as he was asked in February, you know, Tanner Morgan last year, he had fewer than zero rushing yards total on, on the season. Now, he was a heck of a passer last year, but certainly was not asked to do anything in the run game. And there's going to be a blend. There's going to be a blend there, if you will. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what that equates to. But uh, Shiraka, again, last week did reference, you know, Clifford is a different physical uh, player, athlete, whatever you want to call it, then Tanner Morgan. He thinks a lot of the quarterback profiles in Penn State's uh, current roster are different than what Tanner Morgan was uh, as a guy with the ball in his hands, moving in open space, uh, approaching defenders. Um, so the blend is the key word. It has been the key word. Franklin mentioned it. Kirk Sharaka has mentioned it. Uh, they've all been very careful to note that this is not some kind of full-scale reclamation project where they're going to wipe the slate clean and come in with and install an entire new offensive system. Sharaka did say that if Minnesota players were to walk into their meetings right now, they would not understand the verbiage. So I guess that's a good start in progressing away from what he had at Minneapolis to what he will have on the practice field eventually in Happy Valley. But Sean, uh, Sharaka again, very careful to say, you know, working collaboratively, easy for me to say, with guys like Tyler Bowen trying to to fine-tune this offense from afar as best they can while keeping so much philosophy in place so it's not going to be a foreign concept for Penn State. And I feel like that's something they're going to have to lean on even further now. There's a lot of programs that are undergoing offensive coordinator changes across college football. And however you can ease that now, you know maybe you're not able to add some of those wrinkles and, and maybe some of the far-reaching adjustments you would have hoped for because of the situation that, that is underway. Maybe you save that for year two. Uh, but I, you know, I think there's something to be said for, for keeping some familiarity there for the guys who are already on this team. Yeah, I don't think that offense is going to look all that different. I mean, you're going to get a different style of play calling. You're going to get a different, uh, I guess, 
you know, yeah, a different cadence, a different uh, feel for some of these things, but really going to be doing a lot of the same stuff, uh, inside zone, outside zone type uh, stuff. And and that's, you know, one reason they brought Phil Troutwine in to work with this is, you know, he's got background in a similar type of offense. And, you know, that's that's something that, uh, you know, I think can, can mesh really well together, even though those guys have not coached together in the past. So, yeah, I think uh, – Blend is that is that way to go, and and you know it, a lot of the same. You know, you, you just take a look back at that Minnesota game. A lot of the same things. I mean, you, you saw from Penn State even back in 2016. I mean, those big plays that, that Minnesota hit, not all that different than what Penn State used to do with Godwin and those guys. So, um, it, really curious to see how this blend takes place. I don't think it's a uh, you know from from that standpoint. I don't think missing the spring is is the worst thing in the world. Um, but still, I mean, you would like to get in there and get comfortable and get going. For Kirk Shiraka, another challenge, not being able to see quarterback prospects throw. Did not prevent an offer from going out to Bo Prabula in state uh, a couple weeks ago. And, and he mentioned that that number one on Kirk Shiraka's priority list moving ahead in that relationship is getting him uh, in person to watch him go about his business at the quarterback spot. Uh, that's a challenge. But uh, Shiraka said there, you know, there's no advantage. There's no disadvantage. Everybody is dealing with the same kind of deal. And by the way, in, in terms of that offensive blend, Penn State's offensive staff sending out quizzes to their players um, after they uh, provide a bunch of information uh, in these Zoom sessions and uh, what they're getting back from those quizzes. They're not just using to evaluate what the players are doing, but what they're doing and maybe re- reassessing some of the feedback they could give players, uh, some of the ways they could be uh, providing this information. Again, this is not an easy thing to do to wrangle up. A lot of our listeners have been on a Zoom call, whether it's two, three, four, five, six plus, it starts to get complicated the more faces are on there and when you're talking about teenagers and uh college kids who are home and who knows what what setting they're in there's a lot of trickiness to this sean i know you've seen it from from your boys using it and 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 your wife using it and we've used it a couple times but uh it it is not an easy way to install a college football uh, offensive scheme that's for sure Uh, shifting over to the defensive side of the ball most improved in 2020. This was a lot uh, of finesse required for this one because the, the the foundation of it is most improved in spring ball. Who's going to come out uh, and exit spring ball as a clear riser on the defensive side? So we don't have that uh, evidence in front of us right now, but Mark Brennan's been putting together these roundtable conversations for us. This was the latest topic, and Mark had the first pick. Uh, this name was not a surprise. I probably would have gone with this guy if I had had the number one pick. Adiza Isaac at defensive end, battling to replace Yitor Grossmatos, opposite of Shaka Tony in the starting lineup. Guy who came to Penn State camp before his senior year of high school at about 205 pounds, enrolled last winter at 220, and at last check is at at 250 plus pounds. Sean, uh, this was uh, kind of a slam dunk pick for Mark, and it's a guy with Jason Away. Uh, last we heard, recovering from a shoulder procedure in the offseason. It certainly seems like the lane is open for him to become a first teamer. Was my pick as well. I mean, I don't think it, you know, that we, we do these round tables, and, and basically there's one obvious choice, and then you got to work down from there. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Adisa Isaac's a man. He is huge, uh, you know, 6'4, 6'4 and a half, about 255 pounds. Uh, and just like you said, knowing, knowing him from what we knew of him as a recruit. I mean, it's night and day, and it's only been a year. So I'm excited to see his progress. I think he would have gotten a lot of time this year. They're excited about uh, he and Smith Vilbert on the edge in that uh, in that freshman class. So I'm really really excited to see 
what strides he can make, especially with the time that he was going to get. I mean, OA is going to be limited, um, you know, and it's, I think he said a shoulder cleanup was what Dwight Galt Galt said. So, um, you know, that's obviously something you don't want to mess with, with, with a defensive end too much in the spring. So I think we would have seen a lot of Adisa Isaac. We would have seen a lot of, uh, production out of him and it really would have, uh, you know, been the obvious choice. I moved inside and I think this was more of a most improved, uh, you know, for the fall, uh, than anything because, uh, you know, Penn State's got a lot of defensive tackles. We talked about that a long time. Um, PJ Mustafer was probably uh, going to be a guy that got that veteran treatment that didn't have a full uh, cache of, uh, of reps. So calling him most improved in the spring might have been a little bit of a stretch, but I think he's going to be the most improved player on this defense. Uh, considering what we saw from him last year, he did outsnap Antonio Shelton. He almost outproduced Robert Windsor from a tackle standpoint. Um, so Really excited to see what he can bring to the table. I think he's going to take that next step this year. Um, curious, you know, how that rotation ends up shaking out. Do you, you know, you've got uh, Shelton and Mustafa up front. Do you have, uh, you know, Fred Hansard and Judge Culpepper in that second spot? Does Hakeem Beeman make a role, uh, a run at that? Do you have some of those younger guys starting to step up as well behind those guys? I don't know. Is da- I mean, is Damian Barber still in the mix? It's it's so tough to to forecast that position, but. You know, at the same time, when you've got guys at the top like Shelton, like Mustafer, who you know what you're going to get for the most part, I think you're you're okay in that situation. I think Mustafer can be that guy that they've been missing as a pass rusher on the interior. Um, he's done a nice job stopping the run. Uh, 37 tackles last year, a lot of them assisted, but that's what you're going to get as a, as a three technique. So uh, I, I think he can be that that guy that takes that next step and be a, a close to dominant, you know, potentially all Big Ten defensive tackle. I'm excited to see his progress this year. I'm absolutely on board with you with Mustafer, uh, six foot four, three hundred and five pounds, a guy who I view as a full fledged, essentially second year starter because of what you just went over and what he did in 2019, despite not 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 notching official starts. Um, and I you know, I think if there's anybody on this roster who's going to be draft eligible in 2021 who could be in for a big leap, and this time next year is in a different kind of conversation. I think it is PJ Mustafer. Um, looking back at the 2019 class, we just focused on Adiza Isaac. How about Brandon Smith? That's my pick. Uh, the number one overall linebacker in 247 Sports uh, 2019 rankings. And uh, look, he, it was a great situation for Penn State. They didn't have to thrust him into the starting lineup last year, but he saw extensive action, played in every game. The 14 tackles is a pretty modest total, but he made a few of them really count. Uh, it turned into some highlights uh, with some of those hard hits he dished out. Got a lot of uh, action on special teams and, you know, really settled in nicely behind Cam Brown was when all was said and done at the same position. We saw Brandon Smith into the summer in the spring, bouncing around, getting a little bit of this, a little bit of that at different positions at the linebacker group. Um, and, and now he seems primed to step up into the starting lineup. He, he's a, you know, a pretty understated kid. Uh, came in ready to work. Um, has attacked the weight room is exactly kind of on the trajectory I think you would have hoped for him to be on. You know, Lance Dixon, another five star in that class, it seems like that may require more time to get him in a spot where he's going to produce at a consistent level for this defense. But Sean, I'll tell you what, Brandon Smith, if things click together and you get him on this field, I think he's going to be playing a ton of reps. I think it's going to be hard for Brent Pry to take him off the field. And I think much like what we said with Parsons, you're going to be wondering when does Pry feel comfortable opening up the playbook a little bit and letting him go about his business as a pass rusher because I think that was a really huge part of what Brandon Smith was as a high school 
will stand out. He was a middle linebacker, yes, but this is a guy who get after the quarterback, disrupt the pocket. They thought about switching to defensive end with that length, and I just really like the future for Brandon Smith, and I think we're all going to get a really strong indication of that starting in September. I mean, you look at his versatility, and you see what Penn State likes to do with its linebackers and play two at a time. Putting him beside Micah Parsons is is you know there's a lot to like about that potential um, coming to to fruition. So I, I'm curious to see how he you know handles the str- the, the the stress of being uh, the number one guy and and what the Brent Pry does in that situation where he does you know like to go w- with two linebackers. So I'm 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 with you on this one. I think Brandon Smith is going to take a step forward this year. I think there were times last year that you know he looked really good looked like a five star and there were times last year where he looked like a freshman running around out there so he's got to find that balance see what he can do and and, and really would have been an important spring for him uh to get those full-time reps at the at the sam of course lance dixon's there as well um so i'm curious to see how this one shakes out without those reps but you know the, there's enough natural talent natural ability there um that that i think he can get it done so those are the three guys we picked. You can go vote right now up on lines247.com. The story is up there. Uh, a little more insight on each of those guys from Mark, Sean, and myself. And, and Sean, some other names that just came to mind here, we can just quickly run through them. Um, I think Jaquan Brisker, he's in a different situation, down to his last year of college eligibility, but only his second year at this level of football, playing for Penn State. You said it before, this was going to be a huge spring for him. Uh, viewed as the front runner to replace Garrett Taylor at the safety position alongside Lamont Wade. You're looking at potentially two senior starters there here in 2020. And then a couple other defensive backs that stood out to me. And if I didn't go Brandon Smith, I was going to go one of them. Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis at cornerback. Uh, they're battling to replace John Reed in that starting lineup. I think they'll both play extensively. And Marquise Wilson, although he did shed that, uh, you know, the, the, the red shirt status later on in the process, you know, he didn't get that green light until, you know, the second half of the season. You can make a case that by the end of the year, when he was in the football field, he was flashing about as much as anybody in the defensive secondary. I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, you've got uh, you, you know you got a guy that's really more of a man specialist, and he went out there and and really, I think his his swagger and his his confidence level was at a at a different level compared to some of those guys back there. I mean, it was a long year for for Tariq Castro Fields. Um, you know, John Reed I think was again was fantastic in and man coverage and zone coverage not so much. Sometimes that's about how you get the breaks, sometimes that's an underthrown ball or something like that. And I think Marquise Wilson did benefit from some of that, but man, the kids kids got a nose for the football, so I'm excited uh, to see his progress. All those guys at corner, really. I mean, Keaton Ellis is in there, but Joey Porter Jr. Uh, they're excited about what he can do. And Brisker, uh, as I mentioned in the piece, if you read it, uh, was the uh, was my number two guy. But I've written that blurb I don't know how many times this spring, so I decided to switch it up and go with Mustafer. Well, from current Penn State defensive backs to a future defensive back coming to Happy Valley next year, Jalen Reed announced his commitment on Thursday. He joined Alan True, Steve Wiltfong on the Notorious B1G podcast. And here's that conversation. We appreciate the uh, guys lending us this interview. Hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. And joining us now, fresh off of his announcement of his commitment to Penn State, is Detroit King four-star safety, Jalen Reed. Jalen, first of all, congratulations on your decision. Thank you so much. Thank you. You had a lot of different offers here, a lot of schools from across the country, some closer to home as well. When you sat down and looked at everything, you know, what made Penn State the right choice? Um, just the, first of all, first of all, the family atmosphere, uh, after life, after college for Penn State, I can, it's a lot of things you could do after college and then like it's a family atmosphere. I felt love when I went there. It's not, it's not just about, a, it's not a three year decision. It's a four year decision. It's a life decision. When I graduate, that Penn State degree gonna mean something to people. Like if I want to get a job sooner or later, and that's really stood out. Jalen, when did you start to feel Penn State? When? How long did you know you were gonna be a Nittany Lion before you announced it earlier today? Um, I started feeling them. I didn't know I was gonna be a Nittany Lion, but I started feeling them when I went on my second visit there up there on the junior day. Um, I just felt like that was home right there because it fit me, it fit my personality. And then we could talk football-wise, it fit my personnel. I could be versatile on the field. And I just knew I have, I have an opportunity to play early, and it's just a great opportunity for afterlife and for uh, academics of school. I mean, academics of football. Now, you have a Detroit King graduate on their staff recruiting you. And Tim Banks, kind of yeah. talk about your relationship with him and Coach Franklin and why those guys are the men that you want to play for. I especially want to play for Coach Franklin. He's a great dude, man, great head coach. And then, you know, I just want to give him his first national championship at Penn State. He never got one yet. We're going to take over the country. And um, Coach Banks, Coach Banks came from King, so that's like a huge part because he – he finally get to coach one of his guys, and he know where I come from. He know like my background, and he know me personally. So that so that helped me get comfortable with him early, and stood out more than other coaches. Jalen, talk about Coach Pry, the defensive coordinator, and what makes his scheme perfect for your style of play. Oh, Coach Pry is a great defense coordinator, man. Great defense, man. Um, his scheme fits my play because it, it sets me up to be versatile. Use my versatility. At the strong safety, the free safety, the nickel, play all over the field, and um, it helps it helps me get to the next level afterwards. I mentioned the offers you had, and, and you visited some other schools. Was it a hard decision to turn down some of those schools? Yeah, it was. It was a hard decision. And it wasn't at the same time because I knew where I wanted to go, and if you know where you want to go, why wait? You know where you want to. If you come to where you're going, why wait? Open the way, as you know. Jalen, we've had James Franklin on our podcast a couple times, and he talked about when a young man commits early, they almost try and talk him out of it to make sure they're sure. Did they have that conversation with you to make sure that you're sure about this commitment right now? Yeah, Coach. Uh, 
Well, I'm not really early. Early. Well, I'm early, but I'm not really that early. But yeah, they did have that conversation with me, but not much because I'm not that early. Like early, early, but they had that conversation to make sure I was all in, and I am all in. I'm a new lion now. They've had some Michigan guys go there and do really well. KJ Hamler's about to get drafted, and they got some guys on the team right now too, like Donovan Johnson and Enzo Jennings. Did you have a chance to connect yeah. with some of those guys when when you visited? What's your relationship with some of those guys that are I on talk, the team? I talked to I talked to Enzo Jennings um, a lot. That's my guy. He helped me like understand the um, coaches and the relationship. You know, the school. I fell in love with the school too. It wasn't just about the coaches. Because coaches can leave any time, but I still fell in love with the school. Jalen, you had eight forced fumbles as a junior. That's damn near a forced fumble of the game. Just talk about your mentality and what you're bringing to Penn State's defense as a player. What I bring to Penn State's defense, um, hard work and dedication, and I play with relentless attitude. I don't care who's in front of me, I'm going to. I work them and play with a relationship attitude and give everything I got when I'm here. Then you had some teammates that are also going to the Big Ten but going to some different schools. So you, you're going to end up playing against Rashawn Williams and playing against Penny Boone and, and maybe some of your other teammates also. Have you guys talked about this Big Ten rivalry you're going to have? Yeah. Me and um, Trill talk about it all the time. I love, I'm a play Trill. I love playing against my guy. Give me better. Last thing for me, Jalen. Did, did you go to the whiteout this year? Uh, and no, I couldn't make it to the whiteout. I couldn't make it to the whiteout because I had a playoff game that day. Have, have you been? Did you go to the whiteout the year before? Have you been to a whiteout? No, I haven't been to a whiteout. I'm going to the one this year. Yeah, just talk about what it's going to be like for you to play in that type of atmosphere at Penn State. You, 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 you hear James Franklin talk about it all the time. Uh, the, the home field advantage that they have inside Beaver Stadium. Just uh, how much you, you're excited to, to play a game at Penn State. I'm very excited to play a game at Penn State. It's a great atmosphere with great fans, best fans in the nation. So, uh, especially the whiteout game. The whiteout game sells out every year. That boy goes crazy. And uh, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to get everything I got. And then, Jalen, last thing for me, I know Penn State's got some momentum in Michigan right now. They're recruiting some other guys in the state. Uh, you're a yeah, personable guy. Sure. That you're on social media a lot. So are you planning on recruiting Jamari Button, Donovan Edwards, some of those some of those guys? And, and who are you talking to right now? Um, I'm trying to recruit Donovan and Jamari uh, Button, too. But stay tuned. Got some more commitments on my show. All right. That's a good little hint at the end there for the Nittany Lion fans. Jalen, congratulations on a great high school career so far, and congratulations on this decision today. Best of luck in Happy Valley. Thank you. Take care, Jalen. Congrats. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Alan and Steve for lending us that interview. Good stuff from their podcast, as always. Uh, certainly a highly suggested listen for uh, for you when you're done listening to our episodes. Uh, Sean, some recruiting stuff to get to. We spent so much time last week, a couple hours plus on recruiting. Um, just a few items of note here on Tuesday morning. New offers out on Monday. There was a flurry of them. South Jersey getting a lot of love. I'll have content from conversations with some of those guys up on Lions 247 com, But a few in the 2021 class, and we're now at the point where 2021 offers, they jump out at you a bit. Christian Zachary out of Georgia, a defensive end, a guy that I also spoke with on Monday evening, has
have some content up there. Uh, Jonah Miller, an offensive tackle out of Arizona. And then a West Virginia commit at wide receiver, Andrew Wilson-Lamp. Any of these guys stand out in particular to you? I mean, out-of-region offers are what they are. So, I mean, anything is notable in 2021. But Andrew Wilson-Lamp uh, out of uh, Maslin, Washington, uh, you know, it's just a guy that uh, West Virginia took as a wide receiver. They really like his upside. Some schools have been offering his, at corner, and Penn State decided, I think Taylor Stuffelfield offered 14 wide receivers yesterday or something like that. Uh, Andrew Wilson-Lamp is one of those guys. So I'm, I'm, I've heard some good things about his athleticism, about his game. I think he's had some injuries in the past, if I recall correctly. Um, something has has kept him um, you know, sort of off the radar. But West Virginia, I think, made a good evaluation. Um, Penn State decided that was a good evaluation and went with it as well and, and offered. So we'll see what will come of it. Yeah, and I do hope to catch up with him later on today. Got got a bunch of, of guys that were lined up to speak with uh, on Lions 24-7 to get the latest up there for you. I know Brian Doan's uh, always good for that information as well. Um, speaking of Brian, he caught up uh, with Jeffrey Davis, who put out a top eight just a couple days ago. Brian delved in through that top eight, kind of wanted to to, to put that in the spotlight and, and, and see what's what and who's really a contender here. One thing I'll come away from that read was Brian certainly thinks that Penn State is in a good spot with Jeffrey Davis out of Connecticut. Yeah, I think it's more about Penn State than, than it is with with Jeffrey Davis when you're talking about a decision and, and uh, you know, at least favorite. I think there's no doubt about it that Penn State's the leader there. Um, you know, they, they took three defensive backs last week. Uh, you know, this is not going to be a big class, but defensive backs, you're talking about earmarking like five spots. So does Jeffrey Davis you know, decide that he wants to jump in there. I mean, if he makes a decision anytime soon, it's it's far and away Penn State and, you know, certainly could see that happening, you know, in the next week or two. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with Jeff Davis. But yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's Penn State all the way unless Penn State says, uh, you know, sorry about that, man. You promised five commits this week at the end of our last show. So you got some catching up to do. Maybe Davis can help you out. As things stand currently, Penn State's 2021 class ranked 15th in the country. Four of their seven commits are considered composite four-star prospects. Um, we've got a bunch up on the site right now. wanted to mention this before we get out of here. Um, up on lines 24-7, 60% off an annual VIP membership. That goes through midnight Thursday. So just want, I, I feel like I'm not good at reminding about these deals uh, sometimes. So I'll put it out there for our listeners. Check it out. we got a bunch of VIP content coming. A lot of these conversations with these recruits and, and certainly inside information, uh, particularly from Sean about the current Penn State team when he gets those nuggets. You'll be the first to find out if you have that VIP subscription. And 60% off is a pretty darn good deal going on again until Thursday. Rankings update is coming, Sean, on 24-7 Sports in, in a couple of days. We'll have more on that in the next episode. We'll see where some of these commits and targets landed. Anything else to add uh, before we get out of here and, and start prepping for our second episode of the week? No, man, that should be about it. I got a dog in my lap right now, and he just knocked my <laughs> phone out of my hand. So, you know, this is a pretty nice little Tuesday morning. So thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, good timing then to get away for now. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. On behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast.